Amen. Good morning, family. My name is David. I'm the site pastor here at Grace Covenant in Sterling. And it's so good to be with you this morning. Um, man, I love Sunday mornings. I love everything that's possible when we're together like this. Um, you know, I got faith in Christ the rest of the week um, that I bring with me on Sunday. And, uh, but there's something about being with you all, and there's something about being together that allows my faith to increase. There's something about, I, I worship throughout the week by myself. I, I sing real loud and real unashamed in, in the shower and as I'm you know, walking through the hallway of my house. And I'm sure it's a, a annoying to my family, but, but I love it and I hope that God is pleased with it. But then when I come here and I sing, there's just a little something extra on it. I believe the words more. I, I trust in his presence more fully. I, I'm, I'm more given over to him uh, as I see others given over to him. And as we join together in being given over to him, my heart is filled to overflowing. And I'm, I'm addicted to Sunday mornings. I absolutely love it. And I hope that you're uh, coming to a, to a same place. Um, you know, the kindness challenge is really difficult. Um, you know, I chose Jermaine. And he's just, he's, he's just, I'm going to make it through this announcement. So I encourage you to do it. Um, no, but I, I do have an announcement. Before we get into the word, we're going to continue in our, our series in Hebrews. We're going to be covering a lot of text today. So it'll be like a flyover sermon that you'll get to double click on throughout the week on your own time. But we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13. 30 through 40. So it's 10 verses. It'll be quite a bit of text, but and we're, we're going to fly over. But before we get there, I want to I share some exciting news for you. As a, for us as Grace Covenant Church, Chantilly and Sterling, together we are a multi-site church. And one of the benefits of being a multi-site church is that we share resources. And of those resources that we share, people are among them. Pastoral staff is among them. Uh, financial resources, certainly. We're under the same eldership. And so we're able to do a lot more as a church because we have one another. Our Spanish service in Chantilly is, is grown to overflowing. Uh, so they've got a 1245 service in, in Chantilly where Pastor Victor leads that service. And they, are, they have grown at, a, at an extraordinary rate and they're overflowing. And so they need to go to a second service. And so they're going to have a 1045 service starting on September 23rd, which is awesome. And so... So like this is just this is just this is amazing that the Pastor Victor is an extraordinary leader. He preached here a couple of weeks ago, and you got to see that he's one of the best kept secrets at Grace Covenant Church as far as the pastoral staff goes. Um, but because Pastor Victor can't be in two places at the same time, we're actually going to move the Sterling Spanish congregation to Chantilly. Now our outreach to the Spanish speaking congregation. Uh, Spanish-speaking community in Sterling isn't finished. We are going to provide transportation to Chantilly for anybody who needs it and can't get there on their own. And so our outreach to Sterling and the Spanish-speaking community continues. Amen? Amen. And so we're going, to be, we're going to be providing transportation so people can go to the 1045 service in Chantilly that's starting off. Although if that fills up right away, it might end up being the 1245 service that we send people to. Make sense? Because I do expect that as they open up more vats, that God's going to fill it because, because that is what God does. And Pastor Victor's uh, anointing is such that, man, I, I want to learn Spanish just so I can sit under him. 
Actually, I sit under him sometimes not understanding anything. I'm just like, God, I, your spirit is all lingual, so just give it to me in the spirit. So give me interpretation or something. But um, there's actually somebody in our, our church in Poland who learned English, or didn't learn English, was given English by the Holy Spirit. Like they just were given the gift of English. And so they're able to interpret and translate uh, seamlessly between the languages. They didn't ever study it. They just woke up one day able to understand it all and speak it all. And so they did translation for us when we went there. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Um, God hasn't done that for me yet with Spanish, but I'm believing. Um, so uh, we're, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30 through 40. And um, I just want to bring us up to speed real quick. The book of Hebrews uh, is written to the Hebrews. Hebrews, who are believing in Jesus. And, and the author of Hebrews is trying to help them understand that they, as Hebrews, have an inheritance of faith. They have received and they walk in a legacy of faith. And because God has always desired for his people to be returned to him. Ever since the fall, God has been working to return his people to himself, to redeem people to himself, and, and to bridge the gap that, uh, between man and God that was created by sin. And so God had established some temporary ways of closing those gaps and, and kind of mending the relationship. But it wasn't, it, there wasn't anything permanent in place and until Jesus came on the scene. And now there's this permanent solution. And, and the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, I know this is going to be a scary thing for you to step all the way into this life of faith to find your salvation and to find your covering and to find your hope and to find your restoration in Jesus. And it's going to require faith to step into that restoration and to find your redemption in him instead of all the things that you want to do for yourself. Anybody felt that way? It was a big step of faith to stop relying on your ability to save yourself, but to rely on Jesus's ability to save you. Anybody else wrestle with that? Anybody else still wrestle with that after walking with Jesus for 20 years? You're like, man, let, let me just get this worked out and then I'll read my Bible. Let me just get this worked out and then I'll go to church. Let me just get this worked out and then I'll approach Jesus. And he's saying, come to me and then I'll work it out in you because I've done everything necessary for it to be worked out already. You tracking? And so, so the, the author of Hebrews is working up to this. And then we get to Hebrews chapter 10. And it says, it's through the blood of Jesus that we have access to the holy places. It's through the blood of Jesus that we're able to draw near to God so that we can know who he really is and thereby know who we really are and who we're really supposed to be and what our purpose is in him. And so he's saying it's in Jesus. And then we get to Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, the, we call it the hall of faith. And there and he's rallying through the, the, the people who God has set up as examples for us, what it means to follow Jesus and to pursue him and to chase after him and to trust him. And so we talked about Abraham and we talked about Enoch and we talked about Moses and then we talked about some other people. And then you get to, to chapter or to verse 30, Hebrews eleven thirty, and we're about to cover a whole bunch of people. And he's like, there are so many people that we can follow in this example. It is the inheritance that you have. And some of you, like the Hebrew people, have an inheritance of faith. Your father believed, your grandfather believed, your great-grandfather believed, your great-great-great-grandfather believed, and so on. And you're standing here because of their belief. And some of us were kicking this off for our family. 
But whether you're inheriting it from a line from your, from, from, your, from your direct bloodline or whether you're kicking it off for the first time in your family bloodline or returning to something that had been long ago forgotten, we all find ourselves joining in the line that was kicked off with Abraham. We all join in the line that was kicked off with Moses. We all join into that line with them. Does that, you, you're following? And so that's why we're going to look at them. That's why we study their lives is because they, what they did, how they lived and how they saw God move on them is our inheritance because we have an inheritance of faith. So if you could stand to your feet with me, we're going to read this together and it's, it's a lot of reading, but for a lot, for a long time, this is all the church did was read it together. So we're going to read it together. So by faith, The walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and then Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples you've given us of faith. And I ask that today our faith would rise and we would have a greater expectation for relationship with you and for you to move in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Title today's message, Faith That Conquers, though it's not just going to be that as the emphasis, we're going to talk about how faith qualifies, how faith conquers, and how faith commends. I love that, that, uh, that statement in verse 32. I'll say this before, before I jump all the way into it. I just, I just love that statement. He says, and what more shall I say? Like, what more do you need to know? What other illustrations can I give you that it's going to be okay, that God has this thing for us, that this is in our tradition, that this is what we do, and this is how we do it? And so with that emphasis, I I see this, this calling by God, and he says, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish. It was not a position, a vocation, a family, or any other thing that commended these people to God. It was simply that he chose them for this work. And it's simply that they said yes when God called them. Faith is a response 
to God. And when, when God called them to this work, they responded in the affirmative. And they said, yes, God, I'll be your woman. Yes, God, I'll be your man. Yes, God, I'll go where you tell me to go and I'll do what you tell me to do. I'm, I'm, your, I'm your man. The call of God came to these people, sometimes through someone who looked like a person, sometimes through angelic visit that was terrifying and provoked worship, sometimes through a prophet who represented the voice of God or a priest who came on behalf of God to say, hey, you need to hear this. God's calling you into a new thing. And so if you've been wondering, is God going to call me or has God called me? And you're waiting to know what it's going to look like for God to call you. It sounds very much like a message like this. It looks very much like a text message for somebody telling you to forgive. It looks very much like a text message with somebody reaching out to you and saying, hey, want to come to Bible study with me? Hey, would you join a small group? Hey, would you think about serving? Hey, I've been praying for you, been thinking about you. How can I stand with you? That's oftentimes the way the, the call of God comes to us, but because what it does is it affirms and echoes what the Holy Spirit has been saying so quietly to you, but it's so much more easy to ignore when it's just the pressing on your heart because nobody else knows, right? So sometimes God is pressing something on my heart. I'll just talk about me and I'll feel this prompting that, hey, I'm, I'm supposed to give something up or I'm supposed to give something away or I'm supposed to have a certain conversation or engage a certain relationship. And I, and I kind of feel it and I'm like, but nobody else knows. And so the accountability is real low, right? So it's like, it's like I just, as long as I don't tell anybody else what I got to do, we won't have a problem. But here's the thing about walking with God is that, is that he talks to other people too. And, and when you serve the same Holy Spirit, he has this tendency to tell other people about you, what he's been talking to you about. And he tends to send people to remind you about the thing that he already wanted you to know. You were just being a little hard towards and, and, not, and not walking in agreement with him, not saying yes to him. Because if, if we said, if you said, hey, you are in rebellion to God, we'd be like, whoa, let me fix it. Because no, not right now doesn't feel like rebellion. But no, I, I'll, I'll get to it later doesn't feel like rebellion. Or, uh, you know, let me spend some time with the Lord first and then let me see what he's saying. And he's like, I'm the one telling you. <laughs> but then when, when, it, when it gets echoed from the stage, how many people have had that experience where there's a sermon and, and you're like, man, it's like, it's like they're speaking to me. Like, it's like they know my situation. It's because the Holy Spirit is telling you, hey, I've been talking to you about this. I'm moving in it. I'm moving through it. I just want to confirm it from the mouth of someone else that I'm, I'm moving on your life. Pastor Eddie's exhortation today, my gosh. I told him, I said, I just want to go home now. Right? Like really what I want, I want to, I want to, I've got this whiteboard wall in our home. I want to write down all the things that need to be reminded about the resurrection of Jesus. I got to be like, okay, you need to remember, you need to remember the electric bill. You need to remember. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Gas prices. You need to remember that timing belt needs to remember. Come on. We could have some church about timing belts. <laughs> I don't even have one. I just figured somebody, somebody, I mean, I've got a timing belt. I just don't, I don't have a problem with my timing belt. That was for somebody else. But it wasn't even about their plan. So Rahab here is a prostitute. That's not exactly the person you go seeking for as an example of someone of faith. And it's, I love the Bible because it doesn't hide it. Right, check this out. Just like right here in the Bible, by faith, Rahab the prostitute. What? But she had, but she, but she had an, a theological education, right? But she had been to seminary, 
right? She went to Bible college. She was ordained as a youth minister. So that's why God used her. Why do you feel disqualified from God doing something through you by faith? So I love that this passage leads off with her. And he's like, hey, just a heads up. I can use you too. And so by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish. Gideon, Gideon's listed among them. His grand plan was to hide. Right? So Gideon is hiding. That was his big idea that got him selected. Right? You know, like if they had a fish tank kind of thing and they were like, hey, what's your idea to deliver the Israelites? He's like, I'm going to hide. And I'm going to thresh out the grain in secret. And God's like, I'm choosing you because that's such a great plan. (laughs) Great plan, Gideon. You seem like a warrior. You know what? And instead of thousands of warriors, I'm going to give you 300 people to take on the tens of thousands of people. Because your plan was so good. Right? Like, what plan do you have that you feel is so inadequate that God can't do something on your behalf or on behalf of the nation? That's the other thing about all of these people. It's not about their calling or their self-esteem. God had more than just them in mind. He has a nation in mind in every single one of these cases. But when God called them, they said yes. Now, I want to help us hear this well, because sometimes we hear a message about faith and we start applying it immediately to, uh, to, to you know, timing belts and to air conditioning units and to whatever else we, we struggle, like wherever the struggle is, to homework or to children or to marriage. But the very first call we had before we're called to anything else is a call into relationship with Jesus. Because we have to remember where this passage falls in the context of the book of Hebrews. And we need to remember where the, where the book of Hebrews falls in the context of the overall Bible. Right? Like how does this fit into the whole narrative of things? How does this fit into the whole plan and mission of God? And, and, it, and it fits in in such a way that it, it, we, we need to remember that what he's saying is that more than anything else, before you're called to deliver a nation, before you're called to deliver your children, before you're called to deliver your timing belt, God has called you to your own deliverance in Christ Jesus. And we're going to get to look at that a little bit more next week as we look at, at Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to be looking through verses 1 through 3 or 1 through 4. And, and you, you get to see that like in response to this, how do we run in Jesus? But today I just wanted to make sure that we, we remember that our first call is to Jesus. And that's where all of this lies. And that's where all of this possibility exists. It's inside of Jesus. It's not an ambiguous, unknown God, what Pastor Eddie called a deity, right? Which is, it's like the idea of an impersonal force that exists in the universe. We don't, we don't have an, a deity. We have a personal God who has a name and relates to us personally and relationally. And, and he relates to us corporately as a person. And so, so we can have that confidence in God because he does relate to us in that way and he doesn't leave us far off. Some people call it the watchmaker theory, that God created everything and then just let it tick away. I heard that Jeff Bezos is trying to create a 10,000-year clock. It's a clock that would be created and it's costing millions and millions of dollars to create a clock that could run on time for 10,000 years, which I guess is special. I don't know why that... I mean, my watch is normally right, so I don't know. <laughs> a broken watch is right twice a day. Is that what they say? So you could just do that and save a lot of time. And it'd be good forever. 
that's not what we're talking about right now. Um, so, uh, you know, here's the other thing is that when they said yes to God and they said yes to the relationship, they say yes to him. They didn't decide what it was going to be. But God assigned them to the cause or the call or the, or the issue. It was one that was, that was given to them. I think sometimes we think because we, we choose all of our shows and we choose, all of our, uh, we choose all of our cars and all of our houses, especially in this area, we've got so much choice over everything. We also want to dictate what it is that we do and when we do it. But God isn't always waiting for our timing. He's waiting for us to catch up with his timing. And you're like, I'm always ahead of God. Well, nope, that's not, that's not actually how that works. You're actually so behind, you feel like you're ahead. You've, you've outrun him because you're behind him. You're getting lapped. You're getting lapped by God. And so, so but what, what's great is that the way that you fix that is not by speeding up and catching up to him. You just go, God, I'm sorry, it's my bad. I repent. I, I've been running my race my way and I'm ready to run it your way and to do it according to your plan. Because when we say yes to God and his purpose and his plan and his call, we're not just saying yes to the work. We're also saying yes to the relationship and we're also saying yes to the consecration. There's a lesson for us in many of these people's lives that, that they said yes to God and they're examples of what it means to forsake everything else and to follow God. But you, you double click on their lives and you see, wait a second, there's some great damage done in their lives because of a lack of character, because of a lack of consecration. Consecration just means set apartness. Because they weren't set apart in their hearts and minds, great damage was done to them or to the nations because of their, because of, because they, they, they were loose with their lives and loose with their convictions and loose with their morals. And so you see, I mean, we could, we could look at, we could look at David's life, David, David's life. He, man, David messed up and with Bathsheba and killing her husband so much. It cost the nation of Israel greatly. David messed up and, and held a census that he wasn't supposed to have. And it, and it resulted in a, in a plague that killed people because of his mistake now, because God is gracious and all of us rely on the grace and mercy of God, we don't look at him and say, hey, what a mess up. We look at him and say, what a, what an, a, what a model of faith that even in the midst of messing up, he continued to trust God and the overarch of his, uh, of his the theme of his life was faith and trust in God. And, and he's, he's redeemed, he's saved, he's waiting for us in glory because of his faith in God. But you see that there was great damage done because he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't live that consecrated life all the time. That's not to impugn his character. It's just to say we need to guard our lives. You know, there's this, there's this thought sometimes that people refer to it often as hyper grace. That if I believe that God has saved me, then I can do anything that I want because he saved me and it doesn't matter what I do. I can have whatever kind of sexual relationships I want to have. I can have whatever kind of, I, I can have whatever kind of marriage I want. I can have whatever kind of, I can have whatever kind of job ethics that I want. I could steal from my company because all under the blood of Jesus. You might still be saved, but it's going to cost you greatly. And anybody who's really comfortable continuing to, to live in those sinful habits, you know, like comfortable, like pursuing those sinful habits. I'm not saying you stumble into it occasionally and there's repentance and you're like, man, but anybody who's still chasing after that, I would question how much has God actually redeemed you and how much is your, how much has, has your heart made him your treasure? 
And so, it's, so we, we operate by faith, but our consecration matters. It matters greatly to God and it matters greatly to the people who we walk among, that we serve with and that we love alongside. You got Samson. Samson started off consecrated, right? With the long hair, the Nazarene uh, uh, oath, and he had the long hair. And as long as he didn't do that, and as long as he didn't drink and touch dead animals and do these other things, then he was going to be good. Yeah. And God was going to maintain his strength, but he got arrogant about the strength. And he started feeling like, I'm pretty much the man. And I can do what I want. And I can do it how I want to. And I've still got some strength. I got the honey. I touched the dead lion I, or bear, whatever it was. I, I, he's like, he's like I've, I've got, but I've still got my strength. And some of us feel like because we've still got our strength that God has co-signed our sin. Because you're still functioning in your marriage, that the online stuff doesn't matter. That because you're you're still you still got a job that that the the, the theft from your workplace doesn't matter. That somehow God has co-signed it and said, "Hey, that's it's cool, champ," because you're in faith. So we need to make sure that we take consecration seriously. Now salvation comes. And then we're sanctified and consecrated. And so we're not trying to earn our salvation. It's not, I need to do better so that I can be saved. It's saved, and now I can do better. Now I can live a life that glorifies Jesus. I can live a life that's honoring to God, that's pleasing to him because of what he's done on my behalf. Because he called me when I was a prostitute. Because he called me when I was hiding in the, when I was hiding from from the things that threatened me. Because I was, he called me when I was running away. He called me when I was just off in the fields doing whatever it is that I was doing. He called me from there, gave me a place, and now I can live a life that's pleasing to him. The faith does not exempt us from that life. They responded to God when they called him. Oh gosh. This is so exciting to me. It seems that faith, in addition to being, uh, being for, for our, our life, it's, it's uniquely and profoundly created for times of, of difficulty and to overcome obstacles. And you see that all of these people overcame some great obstacle that existed not just for them as individuals, but existed for their nation. And so these people of faith, and, and so, so it says, time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Brock and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the other prophets, and, and who those through faith conquered. Through faith, they overcame. I just, I'm going to keep referring back to the, the communion moment today, but what is the miracle that you need? What is the thing that needs to be overcome in your life or in your family or in our nation? What are the giants that need to be slayed in our time that are holding us captive and have us locked up and afraid and hiding and, and threshing wheat in a wine prey, like hiding from everybody else? What are the things that cause us to give of ourselves instead of finding our fullness in God? What are the things that, that our nation is dying from that need a solution? What are the giants of our time? Sex slavery? Human trafficking? Those aren't far away things. That's not stuff that exists somewhere else in the world. They're things that exist even in our community. Is it, is it hunger, starvation? There's enough resource in the world 
to actually feed everyone. That's on us. But what are the things that God assigns you, assigns you to? What I love about, about the way the Holy Spirit moves on our hearts is that he presses on our hearts and the response is, is, is unified but diverse. And I've said this before that over the years, Grace Covenant Church has had all sorts of different people that have been sent out for different purposes. There are people who have been sent out to start orphanages. It's amazing. There are also people who have started organizations to feed hungry people in Zambia and other African nations. And then there are people who have been prompted to start organizations here in the United States, in the inner city, to reach, to reach the at-risk youth. The DGYLF uh, Learning Center thing, right? And so you, you, see that, you see that there's this unified and diverse response as God calls you into this relationship and then gives you a call and a mission that you're, you're called to walk in and you're responsible to in him. It says time would fail to talk about all of the ways that we have this inheritance of faith and all of the ways that God has used men and women throughout time to, to bring about change for the benefit of a nation. So I think sometimes we don't understand our purpose because we're crying out for ourselves and we're crying out for our own, for our own like what's my purpose for me, God? I, I want to have better self-esteem. So can you help me understand what, what I'm supposed to be doing for me? Instead of, God, how can I be a blessing and a benefit to the body? How can I be a blessing and a benefit to the world that you created and you desire to, to know you and to be known by you? I think we'd have a lot more momentum if we just changed the question just a little bit. So then you see that... Um, You see that these, these people were all commended, though, though commended through their faith. So there's commendation there. And I just wanted to acknowledge that there's a commendation that comes from walking in faith. And it's a commendation that made them willing to give up comfort and it made them willing to give up. I mean, you, we read together all those things that they were, can you go back to that slide, all the bad stuff that happened to them? Can you find that? I mean, my goodness, what I wanted to do, but, but uh, just for lack of time, what I wanted to do is I wanted to read all the good things that happened and get really excited. Uh, but you can do that on your own time because that's what happened to me this week when I was reading. Actually, go back to that one. I'm not going to do it. But, but right here, this, these, these verses right here, for time would fail to tell, tell of all these things and all the things that God had managed to do and all the ways that they overcame, all the ways that were conquered and all the problems of their time that were solved through their faith and courage and faithfulness to God, right? So go ahead and read that list out loud a bunch of times until you get excited about what God is capable of. Because that's what happened to me in the office this week. I was just reading, I read the passage a whole bunch of times to really get it on the inside of my heart. And, and one of the times I read it, I, I just, I, I was like, oh, wait a second. God wants to do a little something. Wait a second. God did a little something. Like this is, these are big deals. I'm going I'm to do it. So go ahead and go to the next one. So read that for yourself and get excited about it. Read it out loud and see what happens when your heart hears your voice speaking the truth of God through your ears and uh, just see what happens. But, but look at this. They were willing to give up like the comfort and, and the, the ease of, of ignoring the voice of God. <laughs> others, others were mocking and flogging and chains and imprisonment, stoned, sawn in two. They were killed with the sword, skins of sheep and goats. They were destitute, afflicted, mistreated. And the assessment of these people is that the world wasn't worthy of them. Yeah. 
because they were willing to give up all the comfort that they could have had otherwise and took this life on. So they were commended, but here's the, the second half of this is that, but they didn't receive what was promised. It's like, what? <laughs> that, that bother anybody else? You're like, what do you mean? They didn't receive what was promised. It means that they never held in their hands the fullness of the thing that they longed for because the fullness of the, the thing, the fullness of the security, the fullness of the peace, the fullness of freedom that they longed for wouldn't be realized until Jesus came and died and rose from the dead. And he's saying that that they they were not made perfect. They were not brought to completion by themselves in their time, but they were brought to completion when Jesus died, rose from the dead. And and now, now we're like, so basically their salvation is through Jesus just as our salvation is through Jesus. Their commendation is through Jesus, just as ours is. Their faith was, was in, in a seed form in Jesus, the way that we know in fullness that our faith is in Jesus. Theirs was in this Messiah who was going to come. Ours is in the Messiah who came. And so it's saying they didn't, they didn't receive the fullness of the thing. They saw victory happen, but the fullness of victory wasn't accomplished until Jesus died and rose from the dead. And so, so the, all of this just sets up what we get to talk about next week in Romans chapter 12. So you can go ahead, I'm not Romans, Hebrews chapter 12. So you can go ahead and read ahead and see what God has in store for us about what our response ought to be that these, that, that faith conquered, that faith overcame on their behalf, that faith, uh, what's the second C? What, what did we do? We talked about, oh, that was the second C, faith conquers, that, that faith qualifies, that faith conquers, and then faith commends. What do we do in response to all of this, that it's found in Jesus and that we're saved by the same Jesus they're saved by? I don't know, that gets me so excited. And I'm looking forward to hearing what happens in Hebrews chapter 12. And I I hope you are too. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would stir our hearts with uh, affection for you and towards you, that you would uh, help us to uh, hunger for more of your presence in our life, that you would stir us to faith, that God, instead of looking at the obstacles that are before us and feeling overwhelmed and beat down, that our, our hearts would be stirred with anticipation of your overcoming of them. God, I ask that you would give, that faith would rise, the water level of faith in our life would rise and we wouldn't be satisfied with the comfortable life, but we would say yes to you and yes to your purpose and we would follow you where you would have us go. That we would go back into our workplaces, a different person, eager and willing and ready to speak your truth and to demonstrate your love to a world that's lost, to a world that's dying, to a world that's suffering under the weight of sin. God, I ask that you would consecrate us by your Holy Spirit, that as you have redeemed us by your blood, that we would walk holy and set apart for you, that we would be a consecrated people. And we consider it a great privilege to say no to the things of the world so that our yes to you could resound. God, I thank you that you forgive us. I thank you that your blood is permanent, that your blood overcomes every failure, every point of failure in our lives. And that you choose us just because you choose us. God, what a privilege it is to know you and to be known by you. If there's anybody here this morning who you've, been, you've either been far from God, never known God, and you, and you want to return, or maybe here for the first time, you're like, I want this life of faith. I want to know God and I want to know who I am and I want to know what his purpose is and plan is for my life. Can you, can you raise your hand so I can pray with you? 
See that hand in the back? See that hand? See that hand? You can put your hands down. Raising our hand isn't some magical act. It's just a way of allowing our our physical body to agree with what God is doing in our soul. We receive salvation and grace through faith just by extending our heart toward God and saying, God, I'm sorry. I turn from the ways that I've been living. I'm done living according to my own plan and purpose and I surrender my life to you. Instead of creating a way for my own salvation, I trust in the salvation that you've purchased for me. I receive your love and your forgiveness. Give me the courage to follow you all the days of my life, to live a life that honors you and brings glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have one more thing we're going to do today. Um, we have a, uh, we, we, oh, hey, do you want to say this with me? Go to that last slide. I forgot about that. That was really, I was excited about that too. Go ahead and stand with me. We'll do this and then we're going to take a building offering. So go ahead and think about how much you want to give. We're at 88%. We need $7,800 or something like that to finish this thing out, to buy the speakers that we need and the last, like some musical equipment that we can use in our, in our classroom space. But, but, but let's, let's read this together, okay? And, and just understand that it's in Jesus that all of these things are possible. It's through his death and resurrection that we live and move and have our being. So ready? By faith, I am accepted. Through faith, I overcome. Through faith, I am commended. In Christ, I'm made perfect. It's finding ways to remind yourself of this every single day, the same way we were encouraged earlier to remind our circumstance that Jesus has in fact died and risen from the dead and that it's subject, everything is subject to the resurrection of Jesus. We need to remember this about ourselves as well. So go ahead and be seated. And and, um, so I I said it briefly, I'm not even sure if we've got a slide, but we, um, so, oh, here we go. That's a night and 88%. That's exciting. So we're we're 88% of our way to our $60,000 goal. So... Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your generosity. Just so you know, we, we leapt real fast in the very beginning, and we've got, we're going real slow now. We're going like a couple hundred dollars at a time. We're believing, God, that we can finish this quickly. So that, but it's exciting that we were able to pay all of our construction fees in cash. We were able to buy all of our office furniture with cash. All that remains is our ability to possibly do some soundproofing in our classroom because it's a very loud room, but also get a little bit of sound equipment so that we can have, uh, we can record prayer meetings and classes and do everything else. And so, but uh, we're excited and I'm excited. I'm grateful to you for your giving so far. I would just ask that you not quit, that you not grow weary of giving, but you would continue to partner with us until we get to 100% so that we can see that space be all that it can be, not just for us and to have classes, but so that we can make disciples and launch out campus ministers and we can launch out world missionaries and we can do the things that God's called us to do as a church. Amen? 
So ushers, go ahead and come forward. God, I ask that you would multiply our little, make it much, God. We're believing you for 100%. So God, I ask that you would uh, give us the oh, uh, cash offering envelope. Go ahead and if you need a cash offering envelope, you can raise your hand. Um, God, we ask that you would multiply it, make it much, that you would bring this to completion according to your purposes in Jesus' name. Amen.